beautiful day. And we're about to get surreal with it. <laughs> get surreal with it. How are you doing today, John? I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. I'm feeling productive. I, you know, I, we got my brain going this week with this one, man. Let me tell you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. For, <laughs> I, I mean, we've been talking about it for the last couple of days. I'm excited for Starfield. I'm excited. You know, I'm feeling pretty oh, good, God. man. So I, I mean, how are you? I, you just made the transition from to 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 Microsoft because <laughs> so, I know you're ready for Starfield. <laughs> Uh, don't get me. I had an Xbox back in the day, but we're talking back in the day, like 360. So and you had the, like I'm and you had the same account. It. Yeah, Are still you had see- it. So Crazy. that's that's actually funny because I've I've had the same Microsoft account from the beginning. I've never changed emails or anything like that. I've had the exact same account since I bought my first xbox and a lot of people can't can't say yeah. that you know what i mean like the people are, co- are constantly switching um accounts and things like that but i you know i've always i've always been loyal to the game my guy always maybe maybe that's how you can tell the original gangster gamers is by their names and stuff you know, I'm not just how the, long they've been in that yeah know, I'm, I'm not an achievement hunter though like there, i know people who have like 300 three probably three million no, gamer points no right now like you know i have like a couple hundred thousand if even that you know mm-hmm. i'm actually looking the highest xbox gamer store going and sometimes you don't look like they're going holy crap um it's a guy named redemption denied on xbox and he has a four million fifty six thousand nine hundred Holy crap. Wow. He was there from the beginning. He's had to have played every game ever. Before there were reviews, he was reviewing. That is insane. I'm actually... I'm actually going to look... I could say that about... About what? I could... I could say that about original Nintendo games, about ne- original Nintendo games. I probably tried about every damn game there was, yeah, except for like Japanese release or something like that. I have 61,000. There's a lot of Nintendo games. Wow. 61,000 is where I'm at. Where That's that, surreal right there. Where does that leave you, you know, in the, in the rain? Uh, I'd say I'd put you up, put us up in like the silver tier, maybe. Yep, we're we're there somewhere. <laughs> Not my achievement, but by year, by years, by years, we got the the legends by years, the numbers yeah. by years, not by crunching. We've just been in it from the very beginning. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, talk to us about what we're doing today. So. <clears throat> This is probably my favorite, my most favorite style of art that I was introduced to probably back in high school, if not maybe middle school. So I thought we would do a, a show on this surrealism. Very nice. And I have a lot of information. 
Well, so if you, we'll spill the beans. So if you guys like to just sit back and have your ears open for a while, I will educate thee. So I'll give you a little background first. I didn't even know this. I thought uh, surrealism started later, but uh, it actually started in the 20s. And it was uh, a response to the aftermath of World War One. And uh, you know, there's a lot of the Freudian anal- uh, psychoanalysis going on at that time. I don't know why they mentioned that, but I guess that could kind of go in with it. Anyways, the yeah. movement sought to explore the realm of unconscious mind, dreams, and irrational aspects of human experience. I guess that explains the Freudian psychoanalysis part. Uh, surrealism aimed to break free from conventional artistic norms and create a new form of expression that was often characterized by, uh, by bizarre and dreamlike imagery. Um, so some key characteristics happen to be unconscious exploration, dreamlike imagery, automatism, which I don't know, what's that? A surreal artist employed techniques like automatism, which involved creating art without conscious control or premeditation okay i actually have this allowed the artist's inner thoughts i have that one in my notes as well that's funny oh i think of jackson pollock when i read that he was very uh yeah i'm predetermined well that one is yeah that one is like a technique where they were allowed their subconscious to guide their art- artistic process creating spontaneous and unfiltered expressions i i i kind of think i think about jim carrey yeah. i think about like how jim carrey does his art oh yeah you know and i, I that's kind of like i that's i i feel that that jim carrey's art kind of fits in that realm there um did you also get distortion He's able to summon did you also get distortion symbolism distortion and symbolism in your notes too I didn't see that. A lot of big words that I don't know would actually go in with surrealism. I got like juxtaposition and displacement. I I guess that would make sense. Yeah, I got just Uh, freedom from convention. Mm, That's psychological and political themes. I mean, the psychological and political themes that just that ties in with you know World War One and how everybody was thinking that was the end of war that was supposed to be the war it wasn't called world war one it was called the war the great war actually um i'll give you some names here of some of the uh famous surrealists uh, probably the most famous one of them was salvador dali um, which i mean this is probably eccentric the and highly detailed we've been talking about dolly the last couple episodes too so i mean there, there's oh god if, if you don't bring up dolly in this conversation it's like what are you doing kind of the poster child for him um he did more bizarre stuff he actually did some stuff with walt disney i don't know if you know this he might have even had a hand in uh fantasia yeah. Mm. Um. Oh man, Fantasia. I'll never forget watching it and being so bored uh, the first half. And I don't. And I actually remember. <laughs> I actually remember being a kid and looking at one of my aunts and saying, "You look like one of the hippopotamuses from Fantasia." I I Whoa. I literally I remember being a kid and saying that to one of my aunts as a mad. kid. I don't remember. I remember saying that to somebody though, <laughs> and um, 
But the one wow. thing that always, when I think about Fantasia, I always think about the Merlin and Mickey bit, you know, and how, you know, when, with the dancing grooves mm. and the water and things like that. It was it was actually yep. very interesting, you know, and that as, a, as a kid watching that, I didn't know what I was watching. Uh, parts of it scared the hell out of me. Parts of it questioned what is yep. happening here, you know, and kind of broadened my mind to a lot of stuff like cartoon like more cartoons of that time and the more darker tones that they were showing and not if and you know and they were they were fun you know fantasia was a was a beautiful work of art that was done now when you saw that the first time when you were you a kid or older like in your teens i was a kid i must have been oh god okay anywhere between five to died maybe even younger than that okay i was much much older i was like 16 or 17 when the first time i saw it just one of those i missed don't show your you age. don't show your age Strobridge. i'm just saying <laughs> uh have you ever heard of renee no oh <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to use my Google uh, for this one. This other guy. Yeah, you have to check him out. Actually, I think he's one of the pictures I did like a portrait of. Uh, Rene Magritte. No, I did not do him. I'm sorry. But he's another um, famous surrealist. Uh, his paintings are marked by a sense of mystery and illusion. That really doesn't describe him for me enough. But... Um, I'll have to check his stuff out. I didn't look him up when I was looking up surrealist art, but that's one of the names it gives me. Max Ernst. Uh, he's a well-known surrealist. Uh, he was known for his innovative use of collage and frottage, rubbing surfaces to create textures, techniques. And I actually have a couple paintings like this, so I guess I'm a, a collage frottage surrealist. Uh, his art often had a raw and primal quality reflecting his interest in the unconscious mind. Um, do you have any surrealist artists so, that you like or so this, popped up? So this guy was considered an existentialist, but his art form was very surrealist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking about mathematical genius M.C. Escher. Um, he, you know, I have always been a fan of, okay. his, of his work growing up i've always i've always loved what he's done especially like the movie inception taking a lot of inspiration from the work that he has done i'm looking at mc escher now and you know again he was he was never a surrealist he was existentialist but his art form portrayed to me surrealism um and this is another you know he was another artist during the 1920s that you know after the war and stuff you know that was Kind of broad. I think up, he's you know. probably one of the first artists I was exposed to was Escher, you yeah. know, because you see posters in the malls and the stores all the time. I think, uh, pretty neat. If I could be a little specific, I think I remember first hearing about him in the eighth grade, uh, during an art class. And I think, I think, well, uh, what was brought to our attention with the different artists and different forms and just like MC Escher's art style. I saw the picture, the the image that he drew of himself with the mirror ball. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. 
So that one, I I always yep, yep. I, that's very one, good detail. Yeah, so that one, I I saw that one and it just spoke to me. And then I saw the one with the stairs and all his different art forms. And I'm just like, wow, like this is this is very very intense, very intense. But I mean, let's not waste any more time. There's a lot of and there's a lot of importance to it too at the time. Because I mean, uh, the the movement of the 20s had some significant uh, historical importance too. Um, surrealism emerged in an aftermath of World War One, a period marked by tremendous uh, upheaval and trauma. Uh, the focus on delving into unconscious mind and dreams was a response to psychological turmoil experienced by individuals during this time. Uh, Sigmund Freud also gained prominence during this era, influencing the surrealist emphasis on exploring the depths of human psyche. So, yeah, there's these two things going on. Uh, medicine was a big uh, upheaval, too, at this time, because uh, I believe this is when they started criminalizing certain things, too, like opium and stuff. And I'm pretty sure some of these early artists were probably uh, delving into that to get some of these uh, subconscious representations yeah uh it was also seen as a form of cultural rebellion too in, in the 20s there's a lot of you know it's called the roaring 20s for a reason so there was just this huge explosion of art you have jazz going on you got paintings you got uh movements going on political and social context realism wasn't solely concerned with uh artistic expression it also addressed broader political and social issues Many surrealists uh, politically engaged and used their art as a means of critique and protest. And I do believe that some of them might have been seen as communists at one point. I do remember hearing about that. Oh, at like, certain like, like propaganda times. work? Um, intellectual, intellectual. Yes, yeah. Like they might have been Nazis or something like that. Excuse me. Interesting. Um, intellectual, intellectual and philosophical impact. Surrealism was not limited to visual art. It extended into literature, philosophy, and other intellectual spheres. Uh, the manifesto, and I'm going to read a little bit, or at least explain the manifesto, because yeah, they actually had a manifesto for surrealism. Uh, it contributed to, to a broader philosophical dialogue about nature of reality society. Very nice. Um, the manifesto I speak of, writing manifestos <laughs> here about nowadays are from people you don't necessarily want to meet. So when I heard manifesto, I was like, oh, but, uh, some key things to remember when you're talking about this stuff, it opens with a, defini a definition of surrealism as pure psychic automatism. That word you like again. Yep. Uh, which refers to process of expressing thoughts, ideas, and emotions without conscious control or censorship. It emphasizes the importance of tapping into the unconscious mind to reveal deeper truths. Uh, some of the other this manifesto is imagination and reality. I mean, you need those, right? Absolutely. Uh, I think the main factor, and they kind of have it lower on the list, was dreams, dreams and unconsciousness. I think this is probably number one. Manifesto underscores the significance of dreams and the unconscious mind as source of inspiration. Surrealists believe that the exploring dreams and tapping into the irrational, irrational aspects of the mind 
they could access profound insights and truth. And some of these paintings, you definitely say they tapped into that. Uh, revolt against logic and tradition. That pretty much kind of speaks for itself. Social and political critique, we've kind of talked about that. Collaboration yeah. and unity. This did bring certain people together that probably wouldn't have been together. I know some of my circles uh, were very into art. And I know I was uh, definitely intrigued by that. Freedom and liberation. Throughout the manifesto, it emphasizes the concept of liberation. Liberation from societal norms, constraints of the mind, and artistic uh, limitations. Surrealism is portrayed as a means of breaking free and achieving a higher level of consciousness. Very nice. There's what? so much more, but if, if you wish to look up more, you yeah, should just going... Google it. Yeah, let's It's a very it. interesting subject. It is interesting, and I mean, let's show off what we got. Yeah. Ah. Enough talk. Wow, John. Yeah, yeah. I I told you it wasn't it wasn't easy, but I got some interesting stuff. So I, I dig. So I wanted uh, the art style that we've been talking about, surrealism, but I wanted things that defy mm -hmm. the laws of nature and perception. Uh, so I wanted in this scene. I wanted to have like sea life elegantly gliding through the sky with it, with like scales catching the ambient light as it navigates the air currents. Um, what I also wanted to have is floating teacups and chairs. No significance to it. I just, I, you know, they're they're light in nature, and there's just some I don't know teacups mm -hmm. and chairs with the shapes that they are. They are they already do have a surreal shape to them, so I think it added to what I was trying to do here. Uh, but with that, I wanted to float the key teacups and chairs suspended in midair as if the gravity holds no power over them. And teacups and chairs drift in a whimsical arrangement, creating surreal dreamscapes that challenges our understanding mm -hmm. of reality. And yet the sky itself is a canvas of vibrant and ethereal hues contributing to the dreamlike atmosphere. I wanted, and I also wanted to merge like aquatic life, squat skies, everyday objects, um, you know, inviting people to step into a world where the boundaries of possibility are are blurred. You know, surrealism. Mm -hmm. It also reminds me of uh, uh, what would be a good uh, Pink Floyd CD cover. Mm, very true. I've seen art like that. I like that. Very nice. And, I mean, speaking of album covers, talk to me about this one. Oh, yeah. So with all that AI music and stuff we've been listening to, and you turn me on to this and I turn you on to that, I figured uh, I'd kind of try to do uh, an album art cover, and I figured if we're doing surrealism, um, I'll try uh, Nevermind. So I have somewhere around here. I never had my cues up for my prompts in time. Do you consider Nevermind to be their best album? I go between that one and um, Utero. I like, I like I'm gonna say if you could combine those two albums into one, it'd be awesome. Yeah, I did. I I um I liked the Utero. Obviously, Bleach is a classic. 
I don't know why I can't find my props all of a sudden. This seems to happen more times than not. But I know I used um, some killer prompts. AR 16 by 9s uh, These are my staples now, pretty much, when I do stuff. Uh, I'm pretty sure I threw in a surrealist portrait. And then, um, what do they call that now when we can move it side to side? Is that just a cropping that we can do now? I don't... I think it's just an you know what I mean? I think it's an extension. Okay. Like, like and then that, extension. of course. Yeah. Very beautiful showbridge. Very beautiful. Yeah, we seem to be in our ocean... Ocean mine right now with your pictures and my pictures. I like how those two went together. I didn't even, like, purposely, like, do that. But, yeah, I mean... Hey. Synchronicity, man. Yep. Ah, uh, so this one... Ooh. I, I made so many of these. These were so hard to put together, let me tell you. Let me tell you. My what did you use? Um, so, I wanted, <laughs> so I wanted to use the whole like symbolism with the newspaper clippings and propaganda like we were talking about before. You know? Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And it just like had like a, a quiet sneeze. Um, so I wanted uh, newspaper oh, clippings and torn thank you and torn photographs in a surrealist composition of artwork portraying the battlefield in a battlefield where like shrapnel is is off you know uh, debris reflection fractured images of the environment around them. Um, I also wanted I wanted to have gears of clocks moving to portray time. You know, not not knowing the perception of time during a hostile situation, no matter what kind of war you're fighting, whether that be mental or physical. Uh, right. But, you know, I wanted the metallic movement synchronized with the ticking of inner mechanisms. Uh, the sky, the sky is a surreal blend of fiery oranges and cool blues. Uh, it, it is in there. I wanted the cool blues in there, so, uh, just to show off that there is that there is something nice. In I know you can't see it, but it's it's hidden mm. above hidden above the the madness. Uh, but I also wanted you know with clouds taking on the shapes of distorted faces and melting landscapes in the distance of you know we have just clouds, clouds and, you know <coughs> I just wanted to symbolize destruction and rebirth intertwined. And you know it captures. I like. I wanted like to really capture like the chaos and disorientation of World War Three through like unconventional lens of surrealism. If that makes sense, it does. I like how it's not necessarily. Uh... When I think of surrealism, I think of not stock footage. Uh... Okay. You know Monty Python? Yes. Kind of that style, surrealist uh, paper clip clippings. Kind of, I like it though. Yeah. Because I, it's not your typical uh, painting. Like It's not like an oil painting of surrealism. It's more of a, a paper mache or something like that. Yeah. Like and, that. and I am a fan of that. Like when you see like some of these old like propaganda style 
newspaper clippings and they're put together like a ransom note. I mean, I think I think that that style is yeah. pretty cool. I would love to play around with that one day. Let's see what's uh, let's see what's the next one. Definitely. Mm, we had to toy around with this one. Um, so we just know my common prompts. We're just gonna start memorizing those people, right? HDR Unreal Engine AR sixteen by nine or dash nine, whatever you want to call that. But I wanted to. We were talking about graffiti not too long ago either and how you get to yeah. see some cool stuff where you're at. I might see it occasionally. And I wanted to bring that to the surrealism world. So I know I combined uh, modern day art graffiti with uh, surrealism. Mm. I may have even thrown in some uh, color prompts like you did with your last one, like the blues and the the sandstone color. Yeah, I, I love this because it's kind of and, like... Uh, this reminds me of this like is a, actually a little different from what I gave you. Yeah, this one kind of reminds me of like a pueblo type neighborhood, um, and yes, you know, and it's like yes. street, it's street art on the pueblos, and I think that's really cool. I think that would be really beautiful to see. It probably happens already. We don't even know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Amazing. This one was a simple was simple for me to put together. Um, I wanted to portray Utopia. That's it. I just wanted to make a surreal I like form of Utopia. And I have, you know, uh, if you guys don't know already, I have a thing for trees. And not the ones that you roll up and smoke. I'm talking about actual trees that grow. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm talking. I'm talking about the the good old the. You know, trees are older than sharks, right? Like, you know, so trees. Oh no, or is it the other way around? And they're the oxygen makers. Yeah. So, you know, I I think that I, I, I've done a couple of forms of different trees and some of the artworks that I've made. And this one, I want to have like a city, a perfect world, a utopia where people can be themselves and you know live life and skateboard down the street and you know pour graffiti on the brick walls and eat a hot dog and put macaroni and cheese on it or something you know what i mean like rich life yeah you know just utopia <laughs> just a, just 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 a utopia just a utopia you know but i, I this is a another one of my top ones i really do i really did enjoy making <laughs> did you see the ones i kind of did like this like landscapey i did and i and i liked every I did a one. couple like that now is this the one that you were talking about earlier is this the the surreal artist okay Yes, and this dude goes by. <laughs> His name is Man Ray, M-A-N-R-A-Y. I had to look at that a couple times, but that's the, name, the dude's name. Uh, where's my info on old Man Ray? Man Ray, where'd you go, Man Ray? I think of uh, boat terms for some reason when I hear Man Ray, or maybe it's Man Ray. Anyways. Uh, Man, Ray, Man Ray's work 
also delved into uh, the Dada movement, which I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Da- no, Dada, yep. Dada MC, movement MC, and experimental M- photography. MC Escher was a part of that innovative too. use of photographs. We'll have to look that up because I don't know what that means. The the Dada movement, yeah. uh, cameraless images. His exploration of unconventional techniques. He's about the only one that I've read that used more like uh, photography. So I, I've done photography and I'd like to see some of the stuff that he's done. He was uh, born in 19, or excuse me, 1890. Woo! And, and he passed away in 1976. Oh, wow. So, so he was about he, 80. He lived quite a while. He's around 80 years old. That's amazing. Yeah, I like this. Uh, you, know, you see the at you see the at he uh, he gives me Alfred Hitchcock vibes. Yeah, I really do like this one because like it had you see the surreal surrealism of the abstract abstract shapes in the back, and then he uses himself as the forefront of the photo. And I love how the how good old Midge was able to put that together. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to portray a battlefield with clocks. You know, we're coming back into the theme with clocks portraying time and being in, in whether you're having a mental war, you're having a physical war and you know, you don't, you, there is no perception of time. <laughs> you know, there, there's just, you just don't know when it is. Right. You know, and, and that's just, that's what I wanted to portray here. You know, I want, you know, you have the sun and you have like a big planet out like right back there too maybe that's some type of moon and you have the sun but there's a lot of stuff happening in this in this art piece right here which you know it's like a darker like a dark version of salvador dali very it talks to me about this one turn down nuggets So this lovely gentleman uh, goes by the name of Max Ernst. He was another popular uh, artist of this. Uh, his techniques included collage, frotage. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Frotage, it sounds like I am. Rubbing surfaces to create textures. And I, another term I know nothing about. Uh, grutage, scraping paint across a canvas, which I guess... I've done that myself as well. His art often reflects a sense of mastery, drawing from his fascination with dreams and the unconscious, which is staples for this style. Very nice. I love that. I love that it has like a painter's look and also like a, a photograph at the same time. Yes, I was trying to go for uh, a portrait again, just like. Um, Man Ray the last time because I didn't really know a whole lot about them so I figured it, uh, it'd be nice to kind of have like a, a picture of them to because I mean people have heard of Dolly they know how he looks so I wanted kind of the same feel for some of these other guys I wanted them to have their own uh, picture if you will yep. that's about it for him he was, he was a pretty cut and dry dude and my final one that I have here, Spaghetti Horse. Oh, 
so this one I wanted, I wanted this, uh, I wanted, like, literally just completely surreal featuring a scene where reality blends and stretches in intriguing ways. Uh, but in this unique world, I wanted a figure walking gracefully on, like, on, I wanted, I originally wanted a person on stilts. Right? Uh, and I think that, mm -hmm. you know, on the right side, you know, with that extension of the arms, that could be some kind of other word, worldly stilts, but I want them made of the vibrant spaghetti strands that elongate and twist in every step. Kind of like a symbiote forming. Mm -hmm. uh, but the figure's form is stretched and contorted and curiously fluid, defying Ooh, the laws okay. of physics. Um, nearby, a surreal horse stands tall with elongated legs that reach towards the sky, and its body taken on the unexpected shape of a of a very comfortable stallion. You know, the landscape around them is kind of like, you know, not a barren wasteland, but just a, f you know, you see the skyscrapers in the back, you know, but just... You know, it's just more distorted shapes and colors inviting mm -hmm. you inviting you guys to explore boundaries of imagination and reality with this. You know, I think this is a, an extraordinary example of distortion in surrealism. You get uh, distortion of perception. A lot of beautiful colors and, you know, something that you could, you know, really look at and just kind of just like wonder, you know? Mm -hmm. And for your final one. Oh, maybe I did do a... I did mention Rene Magritte earlier, and this is him. And I apologize. I didn't think I actually did a picture of him. <clears throat> He's a... This is probably his... More of his famous kind of... Uh, what do you want to call it? Oh, with Dali, he he had crutches in a lot of his paintings, and with this guy, uh, Rene Magritte, he did. Uh, he has a lot of like pictures of just apples in front of people's faces. I think uh, some of the Beatles art might have been inspired by this guy. Oh, interesting! It seems like I've seen a Beatles album. It kind of reminds me of that. Um, some other movies actually inspired the, from this painting too. I almost say I almost want to say this guy was a uh, a veteran. He was in World War One as well. I could be wrong on that. I don't have my notes all of a sudden. From what I remember, he was. Oh, really? um, I think he was more into uh, the landscape aspect of it. Okay. Which, I mean, you could definitely see here, too. I, I love the clouds, how they look like the apples or the fruit that's there hanging on the side there. They kind of reminisce the same shape. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah I mean, that, th these were very interesting, very interesting art pieces that, that we just saw. And, I, you know, I, I would like to do a couple more of these some, some time down the, sometime down the line in the future. 
when it gets brought up in a conversation again. Yep. Yep. And for next week's episode, uh, make sure you check us out because we are going to be digging into each other's mid-journey profiles. And we are going to be... We're going to be pretty much like question we're going to look at some that were not on episodes or some that really intrigued us maybe there might be some outtakes there might be some really really interesting ones uh but we're going to look at each other's mid-journey profiles and choose uh up to four each and kind of talk to each other about why we like why we like these images and you know what 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 makes these images speak to us and why we chose these and why we like consider these the best of the four you know mm-hmm. but Strobridge yep. once again thank you yes and I apologize if that uh, affected the uh, end there with the descriptions but then we'll problem yeah I think we got it under control yeah we do we do uh, but yeah catch cool. us catch us next week good thing have a good one arrivederci